You know you have a good culture when a majority of your candidates are coming through from employee referrals, right? So they say the company has followed through on their promises. They're treating me right. And I'm going to tell others to come here for that same experience. So really creating not only this community, but also a place where I can see that I'm progressing. I'm not just having a good time, but I'm actually also really building my market value for the future. Welcome back to the Fifth Wave Podcast. I'm Jeffrey Young, Editor-in-Chief of Coffee Business Magazine, Fifth Wave. This is part two of our exploration on hiring strategies in the wake of today's hospitality staffing crisis. In the previous episode, we covered how small independent operators are navigating the crisis and rethinking how they attract talent to their businesses. And today, we're exploring how larger scale operators are tackling this challenge also. We'll be speaking with senior executives from two major coffee and hospitality chains, Danielle Caserta, Chief People Officer at Bluestone Lane, and Thomas Noroxe, the CEO of Joe and the Juice. And let's start off with Danielle Caserta from Bluestone Lane. Bluestone Lane is an Australian-inspired cafe and coffee chain operating across the US and Canada. We featured Bluestone Lane's story in our first episode of the Fifth Wave podcast, back in September 2020, where CEO Nick Stone spoke of mass store closures and the very difficult decision to scale back his workforce by hundreds of staff at the beginning of the COVID pandemic. Bluestone is now facing the opposite challenge. As the retail sector is bouncing back, there is an acute shortage of hospitality staff. Let's hear from Danielle to find out how she is attracting talent to Bluestone Lane in this highly challenging environment. Welcome, Danielle. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I wonder if you could just give us a little bit of background on your own career in people management. I started actually my HR career at a nonprofit, working on benefits, slowly became a generalist, then moved over to Burberry. So, you know, global luxury retailer. And that was really where I was a generalist and worked out of our store on 57th Street when we were small. So was really a part of scaling that business as well. I think when I joined Burberry, we had about 20 stores. And by the time I left the U.S., which became the America, so we grew across North and South America. I moved over to London with Burberry. After 10 years in the U.S., we had over 100 stores. So I love scaling brands and growing great cultures, great people, high-performing teams, and you know, had a, a short stint at Lacoste when I came back from the UK to New York and then found myself at Bluestone Lane looking to scale this great brand once more. Okay. Now, Bluestone Lane is a business that's grown really, really fast in a, in a very short period of time. What is the scale of Bluestone's business right now? We're back up to 49 locations. I think pre-pandemic, we were at uh, about 51. So our headcount is back up to uh, about 560. Of that, we look at about 70% is 30 hours or more a week. And we're looking to open 15 more locations next year. No doubt with that level of growth, 15 stores in the next year, there's going to be a lot of recruitment. Yes, there will be a lot of recruitment. Because we're a growing brand, you know, I, I really think that what people are looking for are growth opportunities and skill development opportunities. So, you know, we attract teammates who are hungry to learn and to stretch. And we follow through on our promises every month on our all hands. We celebrate our internal promotions year to date. 
we've had 90 year to date, which is huge. So we attract people by saying, this is a place, if you want to grow, we're going to help you to get to where you want to go. And, you know, there's one thing about being short term and, and telling people everything they want to hear to attract them, but we are in it for the long term. And it's important that we follow through on our promises and we develop this into life-changing opportunities, going from being an hourly worker to then being on salary, earning, you know, some people have been growing with us from an hourly employee to earning six figures. It's just incredible and life-changing. What are the real challenges that you face in acquiring staff today? Look, it's become an employee-driven market. And employees are expecting a lot more from the employer right now. And I think that's great. It keeps us on top of our game, but they are asking for more. So the ask is development, diversity and inclusion initiatives, even small companies. They expect that we are doing more to promote diversity and inclusion within the the organization. I think it's great. I think what's tough for companies like us that are building back up from COVID, where we really scaled back on our HQ, our support team, because we focused all of our funds, right? Our, our investment has been on our teams in the field, is now building back up a training team, right? Building up this talent, the support team that can help to develop and train these employees who are asking for it. We can't all expect the general manager in the store to do all the training and development. And um, it's just too much to ask, right? So That's where I think there's a big ask is that um, the employees are just, you know, they're asking for more because they know they they have the upper hand and the good companies are going to be the ones who can deliver. And how important has wages been in terms of the equation to attract people? Wages have been huge. You know, everyone is questioning, should I do a sign-on bonus? And, you know, when you do sign-on bonuses, what are you doing for the people who have been with you through COVID? I, I know lots of companies that got themselves stuck with that, right? We've been very proactive about that. I think we, we had a conversation knowing that it was, you know, as we went from, you know, 100 employees to January now to the 55, 60 we're at right now, we knew we were going to be competing for great talent. So a couple of things we did is, you know, increase wages for our non-tipped employees, our, our culinary team straight away, offering them simply a quarterly bonus for them too, just to recognize their efforts and provide further incentive for retention. And for our front of house teammates who are dependent on tips for a lot of their pay, we kind of took the guesswork out of tips. Um, you know, you can you can tell people, oh, these are your average tips. This is what you're looking like. But it's not really a reality until they get their paycheck and hard for a candidate to understand that. So we took the guesswork out by providing a guaranteed wage. So basically, the idea is we're going to guarantee you X amount on a weekly basis if your tips do not bridge you to that amount. And so it helped to take that guesswork out. They knew at minimum that's what they were going to receive, which is very competitive rate. But they also knew that if they their tips exceeded that, then they would be making more, which most are week on week. Pay is always important, as we mentioned, but it's not just, you know, pay, it's understanding how they're paid, right? It's that transparency for us, you know, in a tipped environment, again, taking away that guesswork, but it's, you know, bonuses for leaders. It's that transparency of this is exactly how you can earn your bonus. Our HQ team, you know, again, bonus, what are we all working towards? So having shared organizational goals and the employee, again, feeling like they're, they, them doing their part will help to contribute to the overall company success is, uh, I think, huge and a big part of pay, of compensation. 
And then I think lastly is like, if we have a culture promoting from within and we follow through on our, those promises, you know, I think that really goes a long way. And you know, you have a good culture when a majority of your candidates are coming through from employee referrals, right? So they say the company has followed through on their promises. They're treating me right. And I'm going to tell others to come here for that same experience. What role does technology play in this recruitment process? From an application standpoint, you know, we just rolled out a new HR software system. And, you know, with us, it was the opportunity for even just job posts, right? You know, you don't want this to, and, and you're going to lose candidates and we see them fall off, right? It's easy to apply. Yes, we'd like to know their availability and, uh, you know, a bit about them. Um, and we used to do that, right? And we do, uh, we had some, um, you know, assessments that got us a little bit further, you know, do you have uh, two years of serving experience? You have coffee experience, you know, and they'd fill out like a little short answers, you know, four short answers to help us to really, you know, we, we look that, to that initially, especially, you know, because you look sometimes, you know, you can train on certain skills, but you can't train on someone who is hospitality focused. So we look to see, you know, the thought they put into those answers and that went out the door, right? So we will bring it back at some point in time because it is great, but we'll get that now in the interview process during the screening. But right now, candidates are not going to take 20 minutes to apply for a position. They want an easy apply. Boom, here's my resume. You take it from here. It's your job now as the employer to probe further. And what type of skills are in shortest supply? So front of house or back of house? The hardest roles right now are strong people managers. It's managers who are comfortable coaching in the moment and providing feedback. Not easy. And especially where the balance of power has shifted, where you know, cooks are, are certainly hard to right? Back a house is so incredibly difficult to hire for. You know, I remember speaking to a manager saying, well, if I write him up for being late today, he may not show up tomorrow, right? And that's the fear that we're, we're living with right now. And I think that's where it comes back to us as an organization to say how we can provide specific training for managers, you know, so they feel comfortable having those conversations. But that's tough. Managers who have that confidence and, you know, in a very tough environment is hard to recruit for and back of house. So, you know, back of house is being quartered away a dollar more here, a dollar more there. The rates have gone up significantly for culinary experience. And, you know, while we are competitive with pay, we are not paying more than industry because we provide great development and we provide a great community for our back of house. They are, are learning. We've got a great culinary lead. Our director of culinary has a great way of connecting with the team, inspiring them. We use Telegram and it's a way of communicating, sharing plating, sharing updates. And we've got this great culture of being proud and being recognized and rewarded for their work amongst their peers. Thanks very much, Danielle, for joining us here today on Fifth Wave. Thanks, Jeff. It was fascinating to hear how Bluestone Lane is modifying its approach to better attract talent such as offering quarterly bonuses and guaranteeing income stability. It's also interesting to hear how Bluestone has scaled back its online recruiting process by shifting the application burden away from the applicant by asking fewer questions up front. So now to complete this episode, let's speak with Thomas Noroxe, Chief Executive of Joe and the Juice. Joe and the Juice was founded in Denmark in 2002 and has a core product offering of handmade juices flatbreads, and espresso coffee. From its inception, Joe and the Juice's culture has been based on team empowerment and self-expression. For instance, their bar managers are generally given more autonomy compared to rival chains, and their product philosophy is always handmade. 
Thomas began his career as an investment banker before entering the world of private equity and then joined Joe and the Juice in 2019 as chief of staff. And in June 21, he stepped up to become CEO. Let's hear from Thomas which hiring strategies he's employing in this challenging environment. Welcome, Thomas. Thank you very much. I remember those early days when Joe and the Juice launched in London and I, you know, the Allegro research on Coffee Reports, I'd see the Joe and the Juice is a very small brand and then launching in London. First door was Regent Street, I believe, and it was exciting. And that's probably some yeah. at least 12 years ago now. Where is Joe and the Juice now? You've expanded many parts of the world and how many stores, how many countries? 16 countries, 300 units. Wow. 240 of them in the European markets and 60 of them in the US. Yeah, I remember exciting times meeting the guys uh, when you were launching in New York and you guys participated in the first ever New York Coffee Festival down on Lexington Avenue and, and what a fuss you made in terms of the excitement at the first New York Coffee Festival. It's been an amazing journey to see how far that brand has gone in a yeah. relatively limited uh, amount of time. So how many people uh, in the Joe and the Juice team? More than 2,000. So really, really expanding and very proud to have so many nationalities really speaking the same voice. And that's really one of the things that's so important to us is you won't only hear me talking about the products, but as much about our people. So today's topic is on recruitment and sort of people management. So 2,000 people, that's a lot of people. What is it like in today's market? Is there a shortage of staff as far as Joe and the Juice is concerned? Depending on geography, and you can say that mature markets have been in the Nordic markets, and it's quite remarkable looking at the Nordic markets because attracting people to our industry in the Nordic market is also a challenge, but in the Nordic market, we have created a community, so you don't only join Joe and the Juice. Of course, no one would work without a salary, but they get so much more than just a salary you really become part of the team and offer them so much more outside of their shift and really have the aim of creating some very like skilled, confident young people. And they see that when you meet people in town and they're proud of saying that they work with you and the Jews. And clearly some of these things that we see in the Nordic market, we try to do when we, when we go to the other markets like the UK and the US. And yes, we do have challenges in the markets where we are not as strong a brand as we are in the Nordic, but we're really trying to use the same attractions. Like it's easy just to say, let's raise the pay, but more importantly, let's really create a community where people would like to work and like to be part of that community. Looking back and also the vibe in the Jones stores, your recruitment, what's the model? Do you have a sort of a full-time recruitment team in each country or is Joe and the Juice's recruitment done via the sort of the community and the the baristas and the the team I mean, it's interesting because it seems like yeah. there's a lot of teamwork it is a lot of teamwork and clearly if we can get referrals that's the best people because we and we also get the quality stamps from already people working in our bars and are proud to to sell it to their friends in the US they early on in this year also realized that yes there will be some staff challenges and they expanded their recruitment team and 
really also started with this referral program for current staff that has had a, a lot of effect. And at the same time, just trying to be more visible there, both online, but also in the stores. And it has has an impact. And also being a recruiter in, in Germany Jews, make it a, something that you aspire to be. It's realizing it, it is a difficult job as well. In the UK market, in the past, we, we had a lot of European workforce that were in the London market for a number of years. Many of those people have left the industry and Europeans have more difficulties coming into the UK market now. So it is a challenge right now, but it's also an opportunity for us. And that's why I started out with the approach that we have done in the Nordic market is now the approach that we have to take in the UK market to make Joanna Juice an attractive place to work for UK people as it is for Nordic people in the Nordic. What is it that you're actually selling to your staff in terms of why would somebody join Joanna Juice? Because it's a fun place to be, because we have a cultural offices that Arranged like the soccer teams, you can go to yoga classes. We try to make competitions between the bars, invite people out for dinners if they have achieved some good turnovers or some other competitions or KPIs. But done it in a way where you really try to make some fun into it. And it, it's very interesting. It's like last Friday was Black Friday and someone would call it a turnover day. But in Jonah Juice, we call it the cultural day. You know? where everyone is set up to beat the turnover targets, really prepare for it in advance and really thrilled if they can beat some of the, the neighboring bars and then we give them a dinner. Oh, fantastic. So do a lot of it, not as much as an individual, but more as a team. See, the other thing that we also try to do is really invest in the personalities that we recruit so you can wear your your own clothes and thereby feeling comfortable in who you are also when you are at work. Right. The other thing that we really are doing now in, in the Nordic, again, where we are more established brand, is that we create a career path for, for our juices. So you come in and after you appear, you can get a referral by, by one of your, your superiors and enroll on our talent program. It's an 18-month program where we have teamed up with some of the business academies in Denmark. So we offer a combination of in-bar training and some leadership training from these academies. And it's an excellent gift to, to get when you are yeah, in your early 20s. Doing that program as well, we offer you to go to another city. So you can go to Amsterdam or to, to Paris on a three-month program. And when you have done your program and you get your diploma and, and graduation, if you feel like more time outside of your home market, we can offer you the opportunity to go to London, go to New York. So really creating not only this community, but also a place where I can see that I'm progressing. I'm not just having a good time, but I'm actually also really building my market value for the future within Geona Juice. Once you've kind of identified a candidate, what's the process in terms of joining the team? Is it trial shifts? Yeah, we have our campuses where we will give you the first week of training. It again, it depends from, uh, from market to market how they approach it. But in general, a week's training to learn all the basics before you're being sent out in the bars. What's next for Joe and the Juice? COVID has been bad for all of us, but for us, it also gave us the, uh, the opportunity to really shave up and clean up. And we are ready to grow now and we have the full support of our owners. So we are just going to expand and we are going to double our store base over the next five years. 
Wow. And we will do it in the markets where we are already today to really scale up our operations in each market. And I, I say it with some degree of confidence, given that when you are in so many markets as we are, then you don't need that many stores in, in Chicago to all of a sudden then get up to that 20% growth rate. So doubling your growth within the same markets you currently are. Correct. So with real focus on Europe and the US. And we, we greatly benefit from also seeing trends in certain markets and then seeing this is what really trending in New York. And we really also benefit from sending our people to new markets. And by growing, we also offer the opportunities to the people who want to pursue a career because they can see that the road to get your own bar is there. Thanks so much, Thomas, for joining us here today. Thank you. So I'd like to reiterate the key hiring philosophy Thomas mentions. He's trying to create a fun, gamified, positive team culture across the entire group by giving high-performing juicers plenty of perks, international experience, and the opportunity to one day manage their own Joe the Juice venue themselves. Getting it right then means his employees will refer their own friends, which then becomes one of the most powerful sources of attracting new talent. Reflecting back on these two episodes, for operators of all sizes, the solution to this staffing crisis lies in creating a distinctive culture that is both empowering, rewarding, and provides career development. And it's clear to me that flexibility within a framework positive team culture, and brand attractiveness are the keys to securing the best possible staff. And that's all this week for the Fifth Wave podcast. Please subscribe to the Fifth Wave wherever you get your podcasts, and we'd really appreciate a good rating if you enjoyed this show. Also, follow us on Instagram at Fifth Wave Coffee. That's the number five, followed by TH Wave Coffee, and tell us what topics are important to you so we can make the show more relevant to you and to your business. This episode was produced in the one and only Serendipity Studios in glorious Camden, North London. It was produced by myself, Jeffrey Young, the World Coffee Portal team, James Harper of Filter Productions, and sound engineering by Chris Bristow. And for this week's song from the Coffee Music Project, here's About a Thing by Texas-based artist Julia Cole. Have a great week, and until next time, stay safe and stay caffeinated. about that I can't control, so I just let it